Psalm 63 and Acts chapter 15. Yeah, Psalm 63 and Acts chapter 15. Uh, if we can do both of those. Amen. Psalm 63. Um, Psalm, Psalm 63, um, and it reads, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live, I will lift up my hands. In thy name my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Amen. Acts chapter 15. Um, verse number um, 12, um, Acts 15, verse 12, then all the multitude kept silence, gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, men and brethren, hearken unto me, Simeon hath declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. That's us. And to this agree the words of the prophet as is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And so I'll just cut that off there. Um, but um, this scripture in Acts 15, you can be seated, I'm sorry, you can be seated. Acts 15, when they are talking about, they had a dispute about circumcision. And the Jewish Christians and believers were um, saying, some of them were saying that the Gentiles needed to be circumcised. Um, and so it was this clashing, literally, of worlds and ideas. And so God was saving Gentiles. God was saving people who were not of the lineage of Abraham um, by, by physical um, seed. And so he was saving people like you and me and um, pouring out his spirit and doing these things through Paul. And so... Um, the, they were saying, well, 
they need to get circumcised. And so they had this council, um, Acts chapter 15, they had this council. The early church had a council. They came together and they said, what should we do? And so they prayed about it and Paul spoke and, and different ones spoke. And then finally James is what we read, James speaking here. And he, he makes the conclusion where he says, basically, um, God <clears throat> is visiting the Gentiles. God is saving the Gentiles. God is raising up people from the Gentiles. Um, and he, he references the scripture, um, the Old Testament, where he says, I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and the ruins, and I'll build again the ruins, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called. And so literally the scripture, so he's saying, James is saying, listen, we have, we have proof from the scriptures that God has always wanted the Gentiles to be a part of what he's doing. He never wanted to exclude them. It was always his intention to bring them in. Um, and so he references this scripture. And, but here's, here's the thing. Verse 17 says... The purpose of me bringing them in is so that they'll seek me. So he, he like that was the scripture. That was, that was the point of him bringing the Gentiles in, raising up and touching the Gentiles and pouring out his spirit on the Gentiles was so that they, along with the seed of Abraham, could seek after the Lord. And so... This understanding that what God wants from us is for us to seek after him, to seek him, to seek him, to go after him. So uh, I, I wrote this, this, I have a question here. I wrote it several weeks ago, and it is, what is your goal in life? What are you going after? According to the scriptures and according to God, the purpose of our life is to seek him. Is to go after him. That's what he wants. And so he says in his prophetic word here, he said, he, when, when James is speaking, he says, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David. And David's tabernacle, obviously if you study David's tabernacle, uh, it was patterned after the original tabernacle of Moses that was raised up in the wilderness. But David's tabernacle was different than it, it had some stuff that wasn't included in, in the outline for Moses. And, and one of those things, and, and so I, I, we reference that scripture in Psalm 63, and I'm moving quickly. We reference that scripture in Psalm 63, where David just said, um, I'm, I'm going to seek you. That was a psalm of David. Psalm 63 was a psalm of David. And David says, uh, oh, God, you are my God. And early will I seek thee. And that word early is not just like early in the morning. It literally means earnestly and diligently. Like I'm going to desire and go after you. And, and this is the thing. David was seemingly so far ahead of his time he I believe 
David, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Um, he literally was from a different dispensation. And this is why the scripture says in the last days, that's the tabernacle I'm going to raise up is David's tabernacle. Because David was constantly after the heart of God. He, he achieved great things, but that wasn't what made him impressive to God. God. David was king, but that did not impress God. David conquered enemies, fought wars, did a lot of good things. He, he had the plans for the temple, but that wasn't what really God was impressed about. It was that he was constantly after the heart of God. He was seeking God. Even in his failures, right? Because David, I mean, we talk about this. David's failure seemingly on paper, if you were to line it up with probably your failures and my failures, it just, his failure seems greater than mine. I'm just saying, if we compared it pound for pound, what he did to what I've done. I haven't killed anybody. Um, but, you know, in the eyes of God, all sin is sin. But even in that, when he failed God, and the thing is, Saul also failed God. King Saul failed God. And Saul, God told Saul, kill all the Amalekites. And he doesn't kill them all. He saves some seemingly for a good purpose, for worship, for praise. And, and then this, the prophet comes and says, why have you done this? And, and Saul says, well, the people did it and, and, and so on and so forth. But when judgment comes to Saul and God says, I'm ripping the kingdom from you, I'm taking the kingdom from you. Um, the Bible says that Saul was distraught <clears throat> over losing the kingdom. He was distraught over that. <clears throat> when God comes to David, the prophet uh, Nathan comes to David after David had sinned and the prophet says, You've sinned. You've messed up. And God's going to kill your child. God said, I'm taking the child from you. Saul was distraught over losing the kingdom. And, and literally, he, 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 he pulls at the prophets. He, he rips the prophets' uh, robe because he's so distraught. And just, no, I don't receive that. That's no. Uh -uh, bless me. He literally says, bless me in front of the people. Basically, like this is not a, this doesn't look good for me. I'm, I'm the king. This is not good. You've got to correct this. But when David got judgment from God. It says he fell on his face and he fasted. He laid prostrate before the Lord and he just prayed unto God. And then it says this. This is how we know his attitude in that place that he wasn't he, he was pleading for the child. Yes. But when the child died. What he did when the child died was such a reflection of what David was really after. David wasn't after the child's life. Yeah, he wanted the child to live. He was after God's heart. Because once the child died, the people came in there. You guys, I hope you know the story. I'm, I'm talking to you as if you know the story. His, his people came in there and were afraid to tell him that the child had died. Because they say, we don't know what he's going to do. He's going to lose his mind. He's been fasting and praying for this, and now this is not going to happen. 
And so they came in there, and he, he asked them, and they said, yeah, the child has died. It says he got up, he washed himself, and he went to the house of God, and he worshiped. He worshiped. And they were astounded. They were like, this doesn't make any sense. What's wrong with you, David? You, you just, the worst of the worst just happened to you. Anybody else would be crushed, would be angry. It's because David was after something that he did not lose. It was the heart of God. And we have to be very careful. This is what the Lord is dealing with me about. We have to be very careful because sometimes we can think we're after the heart of God. And, and because sometimes the things are so close, they're closely aligned of what we're, what we're going after. But with David's case, it looked the same. They're, he's down there. He's praying. He's prostrate. He's fasting. He's after he wants God to heal his child. But God didn't do it. And David, and David was okay because he was really after God. Sometimes you really won't know what you're seeking after until you don't get what you think you should get. God needs to tell you no sometimes to really see if I'm really after his heart. And David was so pleasing to God. He says that even, that's what he says in Acts 15. He says that's what I'm raising up with this new people, with these, with these Gentiles that I'm bringing in. I'm going to raise up some Davids, some people who are just after my heart, who will seek me for me. And, and so I say that, that I understand that it's hard nowadays and it is dangerous because of the, the climate, the Christian climate we live in, where we so often judge our relationship with God based on stuff, <laughs> based on accomplishments, based on what you've done, how many things you've done, how much you've achieved, so on and so forth. God wants me to seek him. He wants me to seek him. So um, I, I'm, I'm taking a little bit longer than I had planned. Um, see, because if it's all about what God does for us and what we get, then the story of Job doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Um, because here's the thing. Job went through all that he went through because he was after God's heart. Did you know that? God was showing him off to Satan and to all of heaven. The Bible talks about the heavenly court that came up there, and then, and then it says, and, and the devil comes, and they're questioning God. And, and in front of all of them, God says, have you considered Job? God says, I want to show Job off to you. 
I want to show Job off in front of all of creation. And the way he showed him off, we would, we would judge that as bad, not good, God forsaken. But from the eyes of God, he was so pleased with Job. He was so pleased with Job. Job lost everything, but he really didn't. He really didn't. He had God's favor. He had the heart of God. And that's the one thing, because Satan, Satan recognized that. Satan, Satan recognized the, 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 um, the tendency of humanity, and he said it. He's only worshiping you because of what you're doing for him. I've seen, I've seen this. I've seen this story played out. I know how it works. It's just that's the way humans are. They, they, they rejoice over what they get. They rejoice over answered prayers. Um, and they'll curse you when you say no. And they'll turn from you in the hard times. And when you don't do what they want, when they're backstabbed and the church and the people and everybody does them wrong, that's when they, you'll realize, God, they're really not serving you. They're serving your stuff. That was, that's literally what Satan was saying. And God was like, nope, I, I've, got, I've got a Job that's, that really does love me. The Bible says this, and man, Jesus, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Just to love him. That seems like the most simplest commandment there is. Just, just love God. Just love God. But we've got to be very careful that we don't fall in love with the stuff of God. And we really don't love him. And so um, I'm, I'm shortening this a whole. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm just going to move it to another time. But. He says, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David so that the Gentiles and the peoples will seek me. That's so the miracles, the all that God does, all that he's done, all that he's doing in your life, in our lives. That great word, great, great, powerful word. He does all that so that I'll seek him, so that I'll go after him and love him. Um, and so um, I have, there's so much more I wanted to share. Um, but he wants, he, he, he wants me to want him. He wants me to want him. And, and he does that in so many ways. He, he does that in so many ways. But at a certain point, he's got to mature us. He's got to mature us. He, he, he's, got, he's got to see if we're mature. And he's got to see if we can still handle a no. Can you handle, can you handle rejection? Can you handle persecution? Can you, can you handle 
not being coddled and babied by God and still love him, still love him. And so the way you do that, the way we prepare, the way we get there is we have to seek him. We have to seek him. Go after him. And so, um, there's some more, but because he's, 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 he's everything. He's, he's wonderful. He's, mm. there's a, um, the thing about it at the end of Job, right? Job says this, Job says, I heard you, I heard about you, but now I see you, right? He, he said, that's crazy. After, at the end of all that horrible stuff, chapter 42 of Job, after end of all that bad stuff, Job had this excitement. Job had this like, oh my gosh, right, where... Seemingly looking from the outside, that's the, that is horrible. But he had this, this revelation of God that was given to him. And he said, I've heard about you. I've, I've read, I've read, there's other, but now I, I see you. He, he got it. So all those arguments he had before, all the complaints and, you know, and, and just the mourning and everything, it was gone because he had a revelation of God. See, this, this is what God wants us to understand. Is that the stuff, the family, the friends, the people, it's all good. But if you lose it all and you have God, you'll be okay. It's worth it. It's really worth it and Job had this this revelation I'm doing Jesus forgive me just this revelation of God he saw God in a way that he knew him in a way that he wasn't able to know him with all the stuff with all the with everything going right he he was able and and I think about it if you were to ask Job Job if you could do it all over again, would you not go through it? Or would and and I'm and I know he would absolutely tell you it was worth it. It was worth it. And so this is what God wants to get us to believe and to trust in. That he really is everything. And so if I seek him, if I seek him. That's really what I'm after. Don't believe the lie of your flesh that you need money, that you need stuff, that you need things. Don't believe the lie. You need God. We need, I, I need his heart. I'm, I'm after his heart. I'm after being pleasing to him. And so um, I want to say this, church. Don't worry about what that looks like. 
Don't mess it up. Don't allow your carnal mind to mess up going after the heart of God. Because it's not going to look appealing to the flesh. It's not. But I want God's heart. I just, I'm thirsty for him. And that's literally what David was saying in Psalm 63. I'm sorry, I'm done. That's literally what David was saying in Psalm 63. Was, he says, God, you're my God, and I'm going to seek you diligently, earnestly, with deepest longing. He says, I'm going after you. I'm, I'm chasing after you. I, my soul longs for you. My soul longs for you. But then he was even able to say, my flesh longs for you too. He, was, he, he got, he had his flesh into subjection. And he recognized the cries of my flesh and those things that it's trying to lie to me and tell me it wants this and it wants that and it wants to do those things. The truth is, my flesh wants God. My body needs God. My mind, my emotions. I want God. 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 It's, it's, he says, I'm thirsty. And the last thing I'll say, he says this. He says, as, and he, he relates it, he says, like in a, in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. And so it says at the beginning of Psalm 63 that he wrote this from Judah in, in, in the wilderness and in the desert. And so obviously there's that lack of water. And when you don't have that, just that thirst of just, I just want to sip. I just, I just need something. And he's saying that's the way my soul is for God. It's, it's like, it's parched. It's parched. It's like nothing will satisfy. And, and here's the thing. And I was, last thing I'm saying, I was asking God about this. God, how do we, be, because I said this to the Lord. I said, God, my biggest issue and our biggest issue in this generation, I don't say our biggest, but one of, one of the things is we don't want you. We don't want you. And there's a difference. A lot of people know we need him. We know he's right. But we don't want him. We want a lot of things. But, but wanting God, that's, that's a whole other level. And so I, I, I say, God, how do we get to a place of wanting you, desiring you? Because we can, we can read in the scriptures, yeah, heaven, hell, I know what Jesus is right. I need him. If I turn, sin is wrong. But how do I want you? And, and he put this to me. He says, he put this to me. He gave me the understanding um, when he told me to change um, the way that I eat. When he told me to change my diet because I was just eating the wrong things and whatever. The first thing he told me to do was he told me to go on a fast. He told me to fast. He said, just cut it all off. Cut it out. And, and when I cut it off, cut off all food, because I was, at that time, I was like, God, I don't like vegetables, I don't like fruit, I don't, I don't like these things, and so that he had me just cut off everything, so I cut it all off, and uh, it was funny, because he just put this back to my mind, during it, you know, I'm fasting, and it's like, God, if I could just have an apple right now, like, 
I'll just take a piece of kale right now. That would be delicious. Because he said you you got, he says you were, your appetite, you know, your taste buds were wrong. They were actually wrong. He says they, they didn't align with your mind of what you knew. And I'm not preaching diet here, but this is the understanding he gave me. And so for us, um, is your appetite right? If your taste buds are not right, you're going to have to clean your palate. That's what repentance is. You're going to have to clean your palate. And I don't know if we fully clean our palate the way we're supposed to. God bless you, Sister Roberts. And so this, I know I'm, I'm going super long, but um, it's just this burning. But, and so he just said, it's, you're, eating, you're eating the junk of the world. The, you have the appetites of the world. You desire the things of the world. And he said, and he said, you'll keep on knowing you're supposed to, you're supposed to eat me. You're supposed to want me, but you won't have a desire for it as long as you keep feeding on those other things. And so he said, you're going to have to clean your palate, clean your palate. And um, so... I'm struggling a whole lot right here. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? I'm uh, very sensitive to people, but um, I don't know where you are, wherever you may be, but um, we have a great opportunity right now. I, I just, I sense this in the spirit and um, where God, I just feel like God has just kind of, even in our times together, just, it's almost like he's just kind of shown up and he just, I imagine standing there in front of us and he's like, here I am. What do you want? And, um, and so he's challenging, and I know he's challenging me to just go after him to seek him, to seek him. I want to see a lot of things happen, and yeah. But I want God. I want God. I want, I want him. I want him. I want to hear his voice. Uh, I just, I want, I literally, I want to hear him all day long. It's just my desire, seriously, all day. I'm just, God, speak to me. I want to hear you. I want to hear you. I want to feel you. I want to know you're there. I just, you're all that I want. You're what I want. You're what I want. You're what I want. You're what I want. Praise God. God, you, Lord, we cannot do this. We cannot conjure up a desire for you. God, but I believe. I believe, Lord, it's, it's what you want from us. And you said that you would raise up the tabernacle of David and that you would raise up a people, Gentiles, that would seek after you. So, God, I'm asking you to do a sovereign work in us. 
right here, right now. A sovereign work, God. I need you to break down, God, all of the filth, all of the love of the world, all of our attraction to carnal things. We don't deserve it, God, but I'm pleading upon your mercy. And I'm pleading upon your love for us that you would break through all of our walls, all of our junk, all of my trash, and you would just put your grace upon me, upon us. Give me the desire to seek you. Give us the desire, Jesus. God, you're a miracle-working God. Lord, you're able to take dead things and make them alive. It is not your will that this generation die off being lukewarm, being complacent, God. You didn't touch us to leave us. You didn't raise us up, God, so that we could fall short. God, but this is a divine moment, God, I believe even right now, Jesus. We need you. 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 We need you, God. God, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for loving this world. Forgive me for loving the things of this world. Forgive me for desiring these things, oh God, for being so attached, oh God. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. God, separate us, separate us, Jesus, from it. Oh God, we want to want you. We desire to desire you. God, make us thirsty for you. Make us thirsty for you. Like never before, 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 God. God, I believe, I'm pleading with you, I'm pleading with you, I'm pleading with you. God, for this body of believers, oh God, please do it. Do it, do it. Do it, do it, do it. Ha, take a push and the Yakata Yanamason. 